Hi, welcome to our Bridgerton podcast. My name's Christina. And I'm Natalie. And today we're looking at episode two of Bridgerton, Shock and Delight. Let's chat all things Bridgerton. So let's start by talking about what we liked about this episode. So we usually talk about the good um, first. What were your favourite things about this episode, Chris? Yeah, I really liked Eloise in this one because she's trying to figure out um, how babies are made and she's kind of quizzing Penelope on Penelope's story about the maid and she's getting frustrated because she doesn't, she's not getting the answers. Um, it doesn't make sense to her. So I really like how in this episode, um, yeah, she's going through that stage, especially when they're back at home and she just walks in and asks the whole room how a baby's made and her, her mum starts freaking out. What did you think about that? I thought that was really funny because there's something quite childlike about her, that naivety, isn't it? Um, she's very modern. When she's walking with Penelope as well, she she seems to see through the fact that women are seen that just being beautiful is seen as an accomplishment in its own right. Um, she talks about wanting to go to university. I mean, do you think that would have been a common attitude back then for women? I don't think so. I think it was incredibly rare. Mm. I don't even know if that was even happening at that point. Mm. And then I thought Connor was quite funny in this episode because I wasn't that enamoured with him in the previous episode. I know that you like him. But he makes a joke, doesn't he, when um, she's asking him, her brother, Connor. Not Connor, what's he called? Colin. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? About the, that he's going to go and take his sticks out or something. Yeah, and I thought that was quite rude. And the mum was like, Colin. Like, I like the banter between Eloise, Colin and the other brother. Not Anthony, what's he called, the other brother? Benedict. Benedict. That was quite cute, wasn't it? The three of them on the sofa, like, messing around. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that was funny. The mum does annoy me, though, that she doesn't even consider answering the question. And obviously that that comes up a lot later on with her and Daphne, but it, it does kind of annoy me. She just completely shuts it down. and It's like, oh, it's not polite conversation, but you could just take her to one side, couldn't you, and have a chat with her? Well, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that comes under my eye roll moments, that total lack of information that women had back then, some women had. Um, Okay, what else did you like about this episode? Um, Another Eloise thing, really, is when um, they're in the carriage and uh, after they've realised that, you know, Daphne is being forced to marry Nigel Burbrook and then Anthony's like, I'm going to have to duel him. And Daphne's like, no, there's there's no escape. I'm going to have to marry him. And Eloise's face is really comical. Her reaction to Daphne saying that is just really funny. Well, is it like shocked or is it like in awe? Or... Yeah, like absolute shock and disgust face. Um, and like she's the only one that's kind of reacting normally in the situation. Yeah. That's just really resigned and quiet. Anthony's like, I'm going to fight him illegally in a duel. And the mum is just kind of silent. It's just quite funny. What I like about Eloise is she reminds you of someone who's actually born in the here and now and she's accidentally gone back in time and finds herself living in this Regency world. Like She acts like that to me, which I think is really funny. She has this really fresh and alternative perspective, 
but she's just she's really transparent as well isn't she whereas Daphne is very conservative and she's very mindful of every single gesture and Eloise actually brings her up on that doesn't she she says aren't you tired of being perfect all the time I, I like that about Eloise that she doesn't have any airs or graces yeah and it makes her more interesting and more relatable doesn't it like I Def- said in the episode about her sitting on the swing having a cigarette um, I, I love that it really breaks the mould of what a Regency woman should be doing Yes, I think we both like Eloise in this episode, didn't we? Because she's just quite real and relatable. I really loved, actually, the scene where we get to understand Lady Danbury's and Simon's relationship. Yeah, in terms of his flashbacks to when he was younger and her rescuing him. Yeah, I really loved it when she tries to hide her shock about how how he doesn't speak so confidently. And I really loved it when she was like, you know, I made myself the most terrifying person in a room to overcome her terror, my terror, she says. And I loved it how she believed in him and she just decided to put like all her energy into making him the best version of himself. Didn't you love that? Yeah, she had some good lines there. Um, yeah, I mean, again, you know from the last episode, I'm not a massive fan of her character. I find her a bit much but um yeah it was nice how she rescued him it was nice to see his dad as that evil monster character and some of the scenes where he was being quite cruel um it was interesting because the the rest of the show is not like that so we need to have that kind of I suppose evil undercurrent um I thought it was quite interesting when he was like there's a quote the dad says where he's like we have to be exceptional because of our position and just the way he said that I thought it was quite um I don't know it was quite dramatic it was quite dramatic scenes weren't weren't they yeah yeah you're right this was a very different vibe from where we left off at the end of episode one this was kind of really dark and gritty and it was like a blue filter and when you watch the beginning of the episode, I was like, whoa, is this the same programme? Were you like that as well a little bit? Yeah, and I was going to ask you, when um, Simon speaks to his dad on his deathbed, and he says, speak, speak, you fucking monster, um, do you think he deserved that, the dad? Do you think Simon saying that was, was okay because of what had happened in the past? I don't know, because... I felt that that was maybe a little bit too much because um, this guy is dying. There isn't anything for him after that comment. Um, It almost felt like Simon was taking advantage of this vulnerable state of his father. Like, why not have had that conversation with his dad before he was on his deathbed? There was something about it which I was like, oh, that felt a little bit below the belt. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, why couldn't they have had this conversation when the dad was well and alive? At least the dad then might have been able to give him something back. I just wrote underneath that. I just put deserved it, question mark, yes. Excellent. <laughs> 100% thought that dad deserved it. Um, he treated Simon like absolute scum. He pretended he was dead. And not yeah. only that, he treated Simon's mother awfully really really bad he didn't deserve it and also 
why should Simon didn't want anything to do with him when he was alive. The only reason he went to see him on his deathbed is because he was his heir. But wouldn't it? It was a, a fine. It was a more like a seeing the end of him so that he could inherit his title. I think. But wouldn't it have felt better for Simon? Like, wouldn't he have had more closure if he'd said that to his father years and years before? But then. I don't know, because then his dad, his dad could have disinherited him, maybe. Well, no, I don't think he would have done, because his legacy, his legacy is so important that he would have wanted Simon to continue to hold the title and everything. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, why would you make the effort to travel around the world to see and have a conversation with someone you hate? Whereas yeah. dying, it's different, isn't it? I really didn't like that scene. Um, I thought I would feel happy for Simon that he was getting closure and he was finally getting his own back. But I don't know. It felt uncomfortable because the dad was dying. And um, I definitely think he was a horrible person. And I'm glad that Simon was able to say those words. But it felt uncomfortable that it was on this guy's deathbed. I 100% think he deserved it so it's interesting how we've got really different views there mm. wouldn't it have been more hurtful if he hadn't kind of traveled around the world to see his dad in his deathbed his dad would have really kind of acknowledged then how little he meant to his son surely that would have been better than making the effort to go and see his dad but I think the whole the whole point was is he turns up and his dad and his deathbed's like, oh, wow, you're really impressive now. You're a grown man. You're handsome. You're well turned out. You can speak well. Great. Um, and then he takes that away from him by going, yeah, I have. But guess what? I'm not going to have any children. I'm not going to continue our line. So it was almost like he was twisting the dagger in, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, I get it. I get it now. Uh yeah, I thought it was really, really sad that that we understand Simon's um, background a bit more and, and how awful it was for him. It also makes him seem more reasonable for the beliefs that he has, because otherwise we would have just been like, oh, he's just a rake. But now we know why he's like that, don't we? Yeah, especially when his dad was telling people he was dead. That was... Yeah. That was... rather he was dead than be himself basically that was awful and especially because it sounds like um he really wanted a son didn't he yeah um so the other thing that was my favorite part of this episode was when Simon and Daphne they dance near the end of the episode and she's like look this is no longer like a ruse this is my life I have to have a husband I want to have children and then then I thought Simon would be like backing off then because he's like, right, yeah, like this woman's clearly not for me. I don't want any of that. But then he's like, call me by my real name, which feels like a really intimate thing to do. Was that intimate in those days to call each other by their first name? Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? Um, and it it was really uncomfortable, that scene. And it's just dropping bound. It's dropping a whole boundary, isn't it? I felt I thought it was quite awkward. Um, I don't think I I think unconsciously he's obviously falling in love with her. 
like consciously I don't think he's allowing himself to actually um notice but it's quite clear isn't it yeah because she's telling him that she wants something that he's saying he doesn't want so what does he do he kind of brings them closer together and then I actually love this scene. I didn't find it awkward at all. I thought it was really intense. And then we see him put his hand on the back of her skin and it looks like they're going to kiss. And then she almost takes a step back and she's like, no, this is what I want. And they kind of go back into business mode. But why do you think he said that they should call each other by their first name if he's got no intention to marry her? I guess... I guess he's trying to go along with this pretend courtship and, and to do that, they need to keep kind of whooping it up a level. But at the same time, I think it's like I said, I think he is clearly falling in love with her, but on a subconscious level. And he's not really paying attention. To, he's not thinking, he's not actually conscious enough to be like, oh shit, hang on, slow down. This isn't supposed to be real. Yeah, he's getting carried away, isn't he? Um, but then my other question was, well, if people hear them and um, calling each other by their first name and see them together, then isn't that going to have the reverse effect and actually put guys off her because they're going to think that they're a couple? Yeah, I think we covered this in episode one, the fact that this whole ruse doesn't actually make any sense. Like Simon's like, I'll get left alone people won't harass me to meet their daughters because I'm with you and all of a sudden you'll be more desirable but also that probably makes more sense in the book because in the book um Daphne wasn't that desirable by men so she's always friend-zoned um she's not the first diamond of the water she's not supposed to be this beautiful charming best woman in the ton so that's where maybe where the the movie or the tv show has changed things it doesn't quite make sense if you think about it in the book that would make Daphne more desirable but in the tv show she doesn't really need to be more desirable because she's like diamond of the first quarter I get you that's where that maybe doesn't work so well then um I have one other favorite bit that I love in this episode but what do you have any other favorite bits at all before we move on to that no <laughs> So my last favourite bit is when Simon is watching Daphne dance after they've broken away, they've exchanged first names and Lady, Lady Banbury's like, you make a captivating couple and she's looking at him and she's like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's going on? And he stutters. And I love that because I feel like I really, and then it takes us back to his, the flashback of him swearing at his dad on his deathbed. So what do you think is going on there then for Simon when he's watching Daphne? I think he starts to feel jealousy for the first time, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, and he's torn between um, wanting maybe a future with her or wanting to like indulge in this in these feelings for her. And then he's also torn by that vow he made to his dad. Yeah, that definitely comes into play later on. But I just think in this moment, he's just feeling jealousy and that's really unnerved him. Mm. Because he's watching her with another man, isn't he? But what's with the stutter? Is it because he's upset or he's... I think because he's unnerved. Oh. I because he's feeling jealousy and that's really unnerved him and that's therefore causing him to stutter because he's feeling uncertain. That uncertainty, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
he's not really confident and self-contained yeah okay well those were the best bits from the episode let's move on to quotes I've got three quotes that I loved um but did you have any that jumped out at you my favorite one in this episode is when um Eloise everyone's at the the promenade place and um sorry and Penelope goes up to her mother and she says mama can I go and play with Eloise and her mum is really exasperated she's like oh ladies do not play Penelope and then she just goes very well can I go promenade for suitors with Eloise and her mum's like oh very well I just I just thought that was brilliant like um it shows that Penelope is still a little bit childish and not quite as refined and mature as her mother wants her to be and she's not ready for marriage and her mum thinks she is and then she just totally caves and just says whatever she thinks her mum wants to hear I just think that was really funny that was really funny you've just reminded me that when they do promenade is it promenade or promenade I don't know I see promenade probably but is the promenade the noun is the promenade the area in which people walk and to promenade is like the verb version I don't know maybe maybe the other way around I wonder yeah okay that would be good to know one day but they are promenading or promenading I don't know what it is and I realize that Eloise's hair is loose and it makes her look more childlike so is that a thing then when you were when you were kind of 16 not to have your hair tied up I do think it's something younger younger girls would have done but they would have had um their hair loose and the older girls would have had their hair up like um the youngest um Bridgerton girl her name she also has her hair down I do think it's a sign of maturity Mm, okay because she just seemed really young in that scene okay there are are there any other uh, quotes that you love because there are three that just make me smile just even looking at them now there's this really good one where Simon and Anthony are talking to Nigel Burbridge and uh, they remark on his eye being bruised and Burbridge says um I was careless with the cabinet door and Simon just quips back. He was careless with his honour. And I was like, Ben, such a good quip. And as she's like, what? I just really like that. How he cut oh, in. I love that. I love that. So actually, Simon had a few good quotes in this episode. Um, the first one has to be when he is promenading or promenading with Daphne in the beautiful park. And he says, if I was truly courting you, I would not need to buy you flowers. I'm trying to do the voice. I would need five minutes alone with you in the drawing room. What the hell? Keep it in your pants. No? And she looks really quite taken aback. And she's confused. She doesn't know what he's talking about because she's like, a, you know, she's so innocent, isn't she? Yeah, but she knows it's something. She knows it's something. And is that what he meant, that he was going to, like, do stuff to her? Or did he just mean... What was he insinuating? Because he must know that she's really naive. Yeah, I think he was... It was a flirtation that just came out. Like, he was being kind of, like... He was being massively flirty. He was insinuating that he would seduce her. And then he kind of realises afterwards that he went a little bit too far. And she looks really awkward. And she just changes the subject, doesn't she? And he just, is... I think he felt he felt a bit bad. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, there is a quote that um, who's the guy who wants to marry Daphne, and he kind of reminds me of like a really creepy. The Nigel Burbridge. Guy. Nigel Burbridge, when he approaches Simon, who does he talk to? And he says something like, When I buy a horse, I do not negotiate with the horse, meaning he's not going to ask Daphne for permission to marry. Um, he's going to either her brother. And I thought that was a really awful quote, but funny because it was so outrageous. What did you think about that? Yeah, it's just so rude, isn't it? And it just, again, highlights how women were just objects that had no opinions, that like men weren't interested in, in what they had to think. And they just, yeah, just the fact that she's got no choice in anything. Mm, I didn't like that. Um, the other two quotes I liked is when Eloise says to Penelope, once she is married, her life will be over. And she's referring to this maid that's pregnant. She doesn't know who it is. And I just thought that was really funny that um, Eloise has such a negative view of marriage, whereas Daphne can't wait to get married. Yeah, and I actually agree with Eloise. Like, she understands that once a woman's married, she could be having a baby every year for the rest of her life and all the dangers that that would involve. Um, whereas Daphne just doesn't even seem to care about that. Yeah, they have a talk about that later and I can see why Eloise gets so frustrated. So we'll come back to that later if you like. Um, my my second favourite quote though has to be by Lady Danbury where she opens up to little Simon and she's she's real with him and she says, I knew I had to step into the light one day and I knew that I could not be frightened. And I just thought that was such a good like life quote. Like she teaches him that He's probably never going to feel ready, but you've got to fake it until you make it almost. And I just thought that was lovely that she took him under her wing. Yeah, she's got some really good like life coaching kind of techniques in this episode, hasn't she? Mm. Yeah. So, um, should we look at the eye roll moments? And then we'll look at uh, the shockers. Did you have any eye roll moments in this episode or not so much? It really annoyed me how Anthony's behaviour, um, I think we might have talked about this in the last episode as well, where he's just, he's trying to prevent, on one hand he's working really hard and like Daphne, you've got to get married. On the other hand, he's preventing it from happening. So like when the house is full of suitors and then he disbands them all and the mum is like, Anthony, what on earth are you doing? Mm. His whole behaviour is really erratic again and it's just irritating me. What did you think about that? Yeah, I'm. I felt bad for him because I felt like he he keeps trying to step into his dad's shoes. Like there's that scene where he's playing with a hoop with um, hyacinth, and I was like, yeah, he's trying really hard, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He spent too much time in brothels and having fun at college. I don't think he really knows what he's doing. Um, something that really bothered me is how much the women and even the guys. Um, during this time period, let that tittle-tattle magazine control their lives. I found that kind of annoying. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, yeah. In control it in what sense, though? 
So Daphne takes it so seriously. She's reading it with a frown and she's like, you don't know what they're writing about me and we have to do this and we have to do that. And I think it just reminds me of part of me just like, just it doesn't matter. But I guess it does matter, doesn't it? Because that is influencing how she's seen. I suppose at a time where your reputation could literally destroy your life. So at a time where, you know, like, like, a woman being caught outside in the garden with a man and her reputation is destroyed. She's ruined. She'll never marry. I suppose at that time, reputation was everything. You know, your business could fail overnight if your reputation got out or a secret got out. So maybe that's why it's so important. And I guess they do end up using it to their advantage, don't they? Because they start gossiping about Nigel Burbrick um, until that news about him gets into the Whistledown's newsletter and then it helps bring him down so I guess they kind of use it to their advantage as well in this episode don't they I suppose they do so they sort of play the system and they they do take control there um I suppose I I rolled a little bit because when I was viewing this it kind of frustrated me how it felt like women had absolutely no control over their own lives and the only thing they can do is what the mum says. Daphne's mum says, well, do what women do best, talk. And I was like, oh, I roll. I, I actually used to think that living this time period would be amazing. But now I'm just so relieved we don't. Yeah, 100%. It, it's awful. And it's all about looks and how you look. And like Eloise says it really well. She was like, women are more than just um, having pretty faces and nice hair. And my my mama is excited to have men come over and compliment her daughter on her pretty face and her nice hair. Like she just distills it down to the most ridiculous concept, really, doesn't she? Yeah, maybe that's why Eloise is there because she represents like the modern perspective. Otherwise, maybe the whole TV show would just be it would just be quite frustrating. Maybe we need her there to to represent our voice as as the listener to be like that's that's bs like that's ridiculous that's a really good point actually i think that's that's exactly what she does yeah i didn't i didn't see it like that before but you're right and also it just stops it from just being a little cliche um twee costume drama doesn't it yeah her voice running all the way through it and going hang on this is a bit shit yeah and even the way like she acts it doesn't seem to be um in the same graceful perfected way that we're used to watching women in these costume dramas like she's just really normal isn't she the way she walks and stuff it's just very natural to how we to how we walk perhaps um any other eye roll moments before we talk about the shockers of the episode it just annoys me so much how the girls have no idea how babies are made. And even Penelope gets really close when she's talking to Marina and she takes her cake and she's asking her what her condition was caused by. And at first Marina says, oh, it was caused by cake. And then Penelope looks really scared of her piece of cake. <laughs> um, Come on, please. And then she talks about it was caused by love. And I, I really wanted Penelope to understand um, I guess it's funny in one sense when they're kind of guessing and stuff and when they think it's contagious. But part of me just thinks, oh, for God's sake, like Daphne's mum did her a real disservice. And Daphne tells her that, doesn't she, later on, by not just telling her and not preparing these girls. 
Yeah, I found that really frustrating. And I found it funny for the reasons that you just said. And they say, you know, the condition is catching. We must find out how she got pregnant so we can avoid it ourselves. But at the same time, I was a bit eye-rolly, like, ah, oh, so frustrating. And I found out a bit of information, actually, about how knowledgeable women were in those days. So that would be interesting to talk about uh, with you. So the shockers in this episode, well, for me personally, the shocker was how gritty that punching scene was. So you got the Duke having a punch about with, who's that guy who's boxing with him? I can't remember his name. I don't even know if we've been told it at this point. Have we? Probably. Oh, I'm so rubbish with names. So it was really gritty and sweaty and it was like doof, doof, doof. Like it was really full on. Did you like that? Yeah, there's quite a lot of... He he beat the shit out of Nigel Burbridge as well, doesn't he? Yes. Oh, yes. It was so shocking when Nigel... Oh, Nigel approaches Simon and he's like basically saying, let me have her, I need her, you're a duke. And then he says, unless to Simon, unless you've already had her... You must tell me if you have already and she's not loose and ruined and not intact. And I was actually like, OMG, what the hell did he just say to Simon? He actually used the words loose and not intact. That made me cringe. Yeah. Why? Why would he say that? Loose as in loose morals, though, not like wizardly. (laughs) I thought he meant like like that, like downstairs she's loose, but that's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, like moral, like loose behaviour. That was Love. that was really intense. I was I actually had my hand to my mouth in like shock. Um, yeah, that was good. How Simon completely defended her honour for me. The shockers, which I I really didn't like, was when Simon's mum is giving birth and the baby's not even out and the dad is like, what is it? What is it? And I was like, oh, F off. Like, it's not even out yet. You just don't Mm -hmm. care. And then he ignores the mother who's just given birth and not even caring about her health or well-being. Mm -hmm. She's dying at this point. Just completely ignores her because he's got the baby. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this guy is scum. I hated that. It was so sad when you had, he took the baby away so the mum didn't even get to hold the baby and then she was all on her own with Lady Banbrook and then the room was like really dark and I think it was like had a blue filter on it. It felt like cold and lonely and then Lady Banbrook looks behind her and it's like everyone's joyful. The room is like really warm and yellowy and there's like celebration and the sound of like champagne bottles and I was like, that's horrible, that contrast really hit home how little he cared and again it's showing again how um disposable women were at that time they've got one purpose and that is to provide an heir so it's to get married and have children which is very much where Daphne is and again it just highlights that they're just disposable Mm. women are so disposable in this society that provides for our citizens yeah um The other shocker for me is just how awful the father was to Simon. He calls him an idiot. Um, 
he says, the boy is dead to me. There's like emotional abuse. You're my worst failure. And then he tells Lady Banbrook, she, he says something like, shut your bee mouth shut. And I was just like, don't you speak to her like that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Also, by the way, you're calling her Banbrook, which I think is a mix between oh. nice Banbrook and something else. And her name's Lady Danbury. So I just want to <laughs> highlight. Oh, I'm so bad with names. Lady Danbury. Well, did you find those scenes shocking too? Yeah, and I really liked it when... Um, it, the, the way because you're talking about how the dad and her interact when uh, he says the boy's an imbecile and she goes I beg your pardon and he goes so you should she was like oh and I shan't again kind of thing <laughs> um, because she kind of almost makes that mistake um, and he takes advantage of it and I think oh I really like that and she was like oh I won't again kind of thing but even her, who is um, a very powerful woman, and I just really, really like her, even she gets talked to like rubbish. Mm. I don't like that. It would be interesting to know her backstory, wouldn't it? Like, mm. yes, loads of money. It sounds like she's inherited that because she said she was born into a position that was very high. Did she never get married? Did she get married and her husband passed away and she still kept her fortune like that would be quite interesting to know wouldn't it I would love to watch a tv show that talked about her history because it sounds like she came from quite a similar place as Simon um that she had to like raise herself up and that she was quite scared too and now she's really formidable isn't she I got the sense that maybe she married well and then her partner died so she's got the luxury and the wealth that comes of being a widow of a rich man and that independence of basically doing whatever she wants. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I would definitely watch a TV series about Lady Danbury's past. Um, anything else that you were shocked by in this episode? Um, not really. Oh, there was just one more actually under our eye roll. When we talk about costumes before something that was quite distracting is um, when the queen sat watching the acrobat and the acrobat is wearing stiletto high heels that are just very, very modern shoes. And I found that really distracting and really annoying. Ah, so would they have not have worn that style of shoe then? No, they were like proper modern stiletto heels. Um, and it, yeah, I just don't, I don't really like it when they when they play around with stuff like that but you wanted to talk about the snuff didn't you that that queen queen charlotte has quite a lot that she's addicted to so you kind of ruined it there because um when i first saw the queen she's with daphne's mum and she snorts a line of something off the table what was the first thing that you thought that was i already knew because i watch a lot of costume dramas right uh, what did you say, sorry? I think it's snuff, isn't it? Okay, so you're clearly very well educated. Um, I saw it and I thought, oh my gosh, she just did cocaine. I can't mm. believe they just showed that on TV. And I googled it and you're absolutely right. It was all the rage, wasn't it, to um, to to snuff snuff. Do you know what snuff is then? I, 
I think it's a type of tobacco, isn't it? Yeah, I googled it because I didn't really know. Um, and apparently it is, um, it's it's like a smokeless tobacco made from ground or pulverized tobacco leaves. So it's like inhaled up the nose and you get that hit of nicotine and a bit of like a flavored scent as well. Um, and did you know that Queen Charlotte, so was Queen Charlotte, might have she been the queen during the Regency period then? Yeah, so what she's married, well, technically no, because the regent becomes so her, her husband's mad and there was a regency but that where his son had to keep taking over whenever his dad had the madness so technically it's her son that becomes the regent during the regency times. that's why it's called regency times. this is interesting chris so in this tv series the queen her husband is mad but in real life Queen Charlotte's husband experienced episodes of madness and that's why her son, the regent, took over. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's interesting that they've they've sort of tried to put that into the storyline a little bit. Because um, what I read is apparently Queen Charlotte was obsessed um, and she was actually nicknamed Snuffy Charlotte in real life. Did you know that? That's funny. So I guess it's like a clean way of smoking tobacco without smoking it. Um, there was something else I was going to ask you. So I wanted to ask you if it was a line of coke. I was going to ask you if you think Eloise has post-traumatic stress disorder from some of the comments that she made. About her mother in childbirth? Yeah, because she mentions about having nightmares and it really seems to upset her. What? That's a good point. I didn't think of that, but now you say it, that makes sense. And maybe that's where her obsession comes from about her fear of marriage, her fear of coming out into society, and her fear of like, well, her trying to find out how you kind of become pregnant because mm-hmm. she's maybe she is really frightened. Yeah, I think so. I think she would be. I think anyone would be because it sounded horrific. Um, so, you know, in that episode, this is another question for you in the episode where, um, it, it is that beautiful shot where it goes underneath a bridge and they've got, you know, it looks like something out, out of Italy. It's really green and lush. And then it's where Simon and Daphne are promenading. Um, do you know which park I'm talking about with the lake and everything? Yeah. That appears in the episode. Do you have any idea if you had to guess whereabouts in England that was filmed? Oh, goodness, I don't know. I have no idea. Because I googled it because it was so beautiful. Um, and apparently it's set in Payne's Hill near Cobham or Cobham in Surrey. So if anyone, well, maybe one day we could get the chance to go there because it looked beautiful, didn't it? Mm. They, um, they, film, they film a lot in Bath, don't they? Um, mm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because you live in Bath, don't you? yeah well I found this website where it tells you all the streets that they filmed at and one of my friends sent me a photo of a a little cafe which is where they filmed the the costume scene you know with that French seamstress Um, but yeah they filmed a lot and I actually lived 10 minutes up the road from um, the the Holborn Museum which I think is where Lady Lady Danbury um, her house 
you know when um you get you get to see the front of her house and you get to see Simon in the carriage they use that I believe um to film if I'm wrong um uh, you know please correct me if you find out that isn't where they filmed it but um it was amazing and I saw the you know the big vans that they have like parked up when they're filming something I saw them near the park um Sydney Gardens is I think probably somewhere else where they filmed and it was lovely uh, and I was really hoping to see some of the actors but I didn't I had no idea they used the Holborn, Holborn Museum but that actually makes sense um anyone that doesn't know yeah the Holborn Museum is yeah I suppose a Georgian classical building and then it's got some parkland hasn't it um Sydney Gardens and the reason Bath is used for anyone that doesn't know is it's a it's a Regency spa town so Jane Austen herself visited Bath she didn't like it apparently but she visited it and we've got the assembly rooms here where they would have had lots of Regency balls and dances um if anyone gets a chance if you're a big Regency fan you've got to check out Bath yeah, it's true. Apparently Jane Austen actually really despised Bath, didn't she? Because she used to hate, especially in the summer, the way the sunlight used to just bounce off all the white stone. She was definitely a country cat, wasn't she? Yeah, and also if you read her novels, if you read Persuasion in particular, she mentions things like Milson Street um, and she names quite a few of the streets in Bath. Mm. Um, there's a, a Jane Austen festival that happens in September every year where people come and dress up in in Regency clothes and do parades through the through the street, which we're hoping to do this year, aren't we? We actually did it, didn't we? You made some of our costumes for us. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. But I, I just Googled some of the places where they actually filmed in Bath, you know, in case you're interested. Perhaps next time you come to Bath, I could do you a little tour. Um, but they filmed at Badminton House as well. So I've just checked and the Holborn Museum was used. Um, they used um, number, number one Royal Crescent, Sydney Place and Abbey Green. So that's where they transformed the Abbey Deli, which is a cafe, which I'd love to take you. They transformed that into Dressmakers Modiste. Um, so apparently the coffee machine replaces the sewing machine, um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but there are loads of places in Bath. Cheap Street features in Pride and Prejudice, doesn't it? And that's a real street in Bath. Okay. Um, and there's also a clothing boutique on Trim Street was changed into a hat emporium. So there's probably a, a little walking guide group of Bath that you could do with all these places. And I do believe they were filming series two in Bath recently, weren't they? I'm sure. Yeah. I saw something. Yeah. That so that's what I saw. Sorry. Um, I should have explained. I saw them filming maybe a month ago. I saw the big vans and I was really hoping to get a sneak peek, but they were by the Holborn round the back. Um I think they've got some ideas as to where, um, I think, you know, Buford Square, Barton Street is where they do some of those scenes like the horse and carriages and like the street scenes with people. Um, but yeah, I think there are so many beautiful streets in Bath that could take you, they could just take you back in time, couldn't they? Um, but do love, check out. I love how they film locally. It's lovely, isn't it? And Great Great Pulteney Street's amazing. It's one of the most beautiful streets in England, I think, because you've got the Holborn Museum right at the bottom. Um, fun fact. The bridge there as well. Yeah, you've got the bridge, Pulteney Bridge. 
Um, apparently, the Holborn Museum was originally built as a hotel, um, and but now it, it houses a lot of art as well. Um, but apparently, the crew were on site filming season two for two days. Um, oh, that's so, not yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, how much they're actually filming there. Um, but apparently the Guild Hall, which is a building used by the council, uh, it's a registry office, um, it was used for the ball scenes as well. Uh, and, and that's a beautiful building. Because we actually attended um, the Jane Austen Festival a couple of years ago. They ran Regency Ball Dance Workshops. It was one of the best things we've done, isn't it? Mm. They actually, you're in this big um, ballroom, basically, dressed up. And you, they teach you the dances, the actual Regency dances. So you know exactly what it feels like to attend a ball like Lizzie and Mr. Darcy. And one thing I will say is it, 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 it makes you absolutely boiling hot doing the dances. Like they look easy, but they actually require you to be quite fit, don't they? Mm. It was quite like a workout. Yeah, it was a massive workout. And they actually, the assembly rooms were actually used in Bridgerton for those dancing scenes. But it looks really different from when we went because I think they changed the lighting and they put some chandeliers in there. But um, a fun fact, you know the guild hall that I was just telling you about? Um, apparently that's used to host lunches for Queen Elizabeth II. It, it hosts like real life royal visits and they have lunch in the banqueting in the banqueting room. How cool is that? That is cool. Um, but yeah, I think um, Trim Street would definitely be, Buford Square, Barton Street would be really cool places to visit. I reckon we might uh, recognise a few places there. And Bath Street, which is really Roman-like. It's got loads of pillars and it, it just looks beautiful. Um, I was going to ask you just one more thing, actually, because I think you are quite knowledgeable about these things. Um, but were women really that ignorant? Because I found a little bit of information about it, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Like, were they really so ignorant about sex and relationships? I reckon working class or like the lower class women would have had a lot more knowledge um, about those kinds of things. But I do think that people, women in Daphne's, class probably did have a lot less information and I reckon it would have been like the mum would maybe tell, talk to them on their wedding night or the wedding morning and maybe give them a teeny bit of information what do you what do you think what have you read well I read that they were that ignorant based on what you've just said so the higher the class the more ignorant they were and the famous late 18th century feminist Mary Wollstonecraft she actually urged parents to keep their children away from the household servants because she felt like their bawdy talk was morally corruptive. And that really shocks me because I would have thought a feminist would have all would have been about educating women to give them more knowledge, really, and to give them a bit more control. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is. And also, I just feel really bad for those women that didn't understand how you got pregnant and did end up maybe losing their virginity and then becoming pregnant and it really having a really awful impact on their lives. I just think it's not fair, is it, really, to keep people ignorant? 
Yeah, and that's what happens to to Marina, or yeah, Marina. We, you know, she might not have made um, the decisions that she made had she known that she would be with child, as they say. Um, also, it's dangerous because if you've got a daughter like Daphne, and a guy comes up to her and says, "Oh, be polite and um, let me touch your boobs. This is how we say hello in Italy." <laughs> um, then they're going to be vulnerable to morally corrupt men taking advantage of that ignorance. I mean, if you don't know the dangers of sex or what sex is, then how how can you prevent people taking advantage of you and slipping you one in the hallway whilst you're waiting for a glass of punch? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, it's awful and it's just ridiculous. And I think Simon's shock on his face when he said when she's asking about the wedding night or he's asking about what a man and a, a husband and wife does and he's like oh well it's just a continuation of what you do at night and she's like sleep like what and yeah. he's her. and the realization on his face and you can see you can see it on his face the moment he realizes that she's got no idea and he just looks so <laughs> shocked and then i think yeah that's insane is that what happens in episode three that you found really cringeworthy okay yeah so true story the first time I saw that scene I couldn't bear to watch it I just had to look away because I felt so cringe him explaining to her what he was talking about and then even the second time I watched it and I was like squealing because I was like oh my god this is so awkward and it took for the third time for me to be able to actually watch it you know who you remind me of right now and we are going to come back to this um in the next episode when it actually happens but do you know who you totally remind me of right now who you are Daphne's mum (laughs) if Daphne was to watch the TV series Daphne's mum was to watch the TV series now she would feel awkward and embarrassed and awkward and she'd be pushing it away and it's that attitude which has led to all of her daughters being totally ignorant because I was going to say the only reason Daphne's mum one of the reasons Daphne's mum hasn't mentioned it is because of her own awkwardness and Daphne's paying the price her mum is obviously a bit of a goer because she's got mm. like 100 kids. Yeah, ex- and exactly. Her kind of hint that her and her fa- and Daphne's father enjoyed it. Um, for me, the reason I cringed is because of the setting and everything. Like it would be, di- it would be different if the setting was like I don't know. It was a candlelight evening and it, they were drinking wine and stuff. But the fact that it was just broad daylight in the middle of a park, surrounded by people. One minute they're talking about ice cream, the next minute he's like, you know, put your hand down and touch yourself. And I was just like, it, everything about it just felt like the wrong setting and the wrong timing. And I just, I think that's what made me really cringe. We're going to have to come back to this because I'm really looking forward to watching that episode again because I haven't watched that for ages so I can't really remember I think I just found it funny and I thought it was really well acted but I think we should save this for another episode so we can go really deep into our psyche as to (laughs) I'm wondering what other people's reaction was to that though um so that would be funny wouldn't it 
Was there, did you prefer this episode to the last episode? How does it rate in terms of the episode that we've seen so far? So we've seen episode one and then episode two, this one. Um, I, in a way, did prefer episode one because I really love Anthony and his girlfriend and they were they were in quite a lot of scenes in episode one, but actually his girlfriend isn't in this episode at all, is she? Mm, no. I can't remember her name again. Savina or something. Yeah. I liked this episode, but I think the darkness of like the emotional abuse of the of Simon as a child, it was quite sad. It was very it was definitely grittier and darker and maybe a little bit more kind of tugging at the old heartstrings than the first one. It felt like it was a bit yeah, it yeah, it it definitely strayed away from the typical costume dramas that we know, didn't it? I think. Can you think of any other costume dramas where they've gone quite dark and gritty and been quite real with that kind of topic? No. Well, some costume dramas I think can be quite depressing. But Bridgerton is all light and fluffy and superficial. But then it's got like a tiny bit of the the darkness with the dad. So I know what you mean. I think... I think I'm actually mistaken because um, Charles Dickens, um, he wrote Oliver Twist and that was pretty dark, wasn't it? Yeah, but I suppose, I think it's because Bridgerton is like really quite superficial. It's a bit different, whereas Charles Dickens is kind of more real, isn't it? And gritty all the way through. Yeah, so maybe that's why there was so much of that shock factor at the start of this one, because in the last episode it was like, bumblebees and flowers and pretty dresses and really extravagant settings and then it was like a woman screaming in pain it was pretty dark wasn't it Mm. um there was one thing about this episode that I thought was quite good and it was really driving home the dynamic between Daphne and Eloise and how it almost felt like they were strangers the way they were talking to each other did you feel that as well yeah, they don't come across as sisters at all. I think it's sad how estranged they are, really. They live in the same house, but yeah, they're like strangers. But what's going on there? What's happening there? I think we discuss this a little bit in our episode one of this podcast, in the fact that why they're so different and why they don't get on and why Eloise really can't. I don't think she can stand Daphne. She can't. Period. She can, um, but that's because Daphne isn't real. She just acts so contrived, and everything's a front. It's like she's got a she's got a visage that's always up. Yeah, uh, can't penetrate the surface, and Eloise just can't deal with that. Eloise calls it. She's like, "Aren't you bored? Aren't you? It must be so exhausting being perfect all the time." Like Eloise is like really honest with Daphne. She's like, "Look." I still have nightmares about what happened to mum. It really scares me. And rather than Daphne being like, you know what, Eloise, it scares the hell out of me and blah, blah, blah. She kind of does say that a little bit, but then she's like, but there will be light. There'll be light at the end of the tunnel. And it's like, oh, sometimes you you don't want all the positive stuff. You just want someone to agree with you, like that it's scary. Like not everything has to have a perfect little happy ending. Like I kind of feel... I felt for Eloise there because I felt like she put herself out there and was really honest and raw 
And then Daphne came out on top by trying to be like the, everything's going to be okay, it's all going to be worth it. And I don't think that's always very helpful. Yeah, like I, at the beginning, thought that the reason they didn't get on is because Eloise makes like little mean comments and takes the piss out of Daphne all the time. But the more I watched through, I was like, no, the reason they don't get on is because because of that, because um, Daphne just can't be real with her. Mm. That's why Eloise just, she sometimes, yeah, when she does reach out to her, she does something like that. So, yeah, I, I do think it's Daphne's fault that they have a bad relationship. Yeah, and, and the way that Daphne, she acts like she's, um, she acts like she's always on show, doesn't she? She never allows herself to just to relax. And then I'm thinking, well, is, is it, does she feel like she has to be on show all the time? Like, is it is all a constant performance? Yeah, like, has her mum made her feel that way because she puts so much emphasis on being beautiful and pretty? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose later on, does she does she really change as a Daphne in the later episodes? Is she's the same as a? We'll have to have a look at that in the later episodes and actually try and see how much Daphne changes as a character because I don't see an awful lot of character development. If I'm honest, no. So far in episode two, the people that I think have um, developed the most are um, the mum. Because in episode one, she was like in the background and she was letting Anthony take over and chaperone Daphne. But by the end of this episode, she's like, Anthony, you need to back off. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to take it over from now. Do you remember that at the end of episode two? Mm -hmm. So for me, she's one of the people already who's already had a bit of development. Um, Before I tell you my second person, who's your person that you feel has developed the most so far? I don't know. I think it's too early for me to tell. Okay. Um, I can't remember who the second person was that I thought had changed the most. I think, oh, and Anthony. Anthony's changed already because he's gone from a total playboy um, doing his own thing to giving up what may be the love of his life and he's really getting involved with the family. So I think those two already have changed quite a lot. What do you think? Yeah, in second thoughts, I was thinking, Anthony, when you were saying then about the second person, if I had to pick anyone, it would be him. But he does go back a little bit in the later episodes, doesn't he? Because he kind of gets back with her and then changes his mind again. And then he's he's back and forth, back and forth for a few episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, towards the end, the last episode, he kind of looks dead inside. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, I'll get married to a duchess or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's dead inside. And I actually feel quite sorry for him. Yeah. So already, I think, yeah. Already, I think, I know you think it's early days, but I can already see some changes have happened, really, in in episode two. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to mention about the episode before we call it a day? Can you remember, because I think a lot of people are going to be wondering this, can you remember who you were guessing Lady Whistledown was in episode two, by episode two? I think for a while I thought it was the Queen or Lady Danbury, because both of them seemed to be in a position of, like, confidence with people. But then I was like, well, the Queen is, like, really reading her own material then, with, like, a lot of 
uh, with a lot of gusto. And then I was like, well, actually, maybe she hasn't written it because she's obsessed, isn't she? Like, she got out of the bath to, to read it. So then I'm, I still think I thought it was Lady Danbury. I also thought it was Lady Danbury, but then I thought that's too obvious. I thought if it is her, it's too obvious. Oh, why? Just because she's so involved in everyone's shit and she's always giving advice. Um, and I just thought it was way too obvious. And Eloise obviously does as well, because doesn't she... I'm pretty sure she accused. She's one of the first person Eloise accuses of being Lady Whistledown. You just reminded me. You know when Eloise? Well, I want to say something that's quite inappropriate here. Inappropriate because they play siblings. But I was getting a bit of a chemistry vibe between Benedict and Eloise. Like when they sat together on the sofa, I thought there was like a bit of chemistry there. And again, when they were having a cigarette on the bench, I was like, is that? I know you're siblings, but like in real life, are you guys dating? Because I was just getting a vibe. Am I the only one that's got that? Or maybe Google and see if the actors are doing it in real life. If they are, are you going to give me a prize? Because that's crazy. You will get a hundred percent a prize. Like a hundred percent of chocolate or something, like a chocolate bar. I'd like yeah. some chocolate, please. We'll let you know in the next episode. So if you want to know if this is true about the actors and we're, Nats was right about the vibe, then subscribe and watch, <laughs> listen to episode three. They could just Google it themselves, though. Good point. And but... if I find out that they are actually dating, I don't think I'm going to be able to stop myself from telling you right now. Um, but did you not get that? Or is it more that they've just got a familiar, close relationship that perhaps... Daphne and Eloise don't have I don't know you said it I can see it but then I don't know if I'm just reading into it mm. let's not do this live because we'll just be silent for ages um, I already know the answer is it no I think so but I think I need just a little bit more time to do my research are you uh, going to go on Photoshop and like superimpose their heads onto people holding hands and then try and prove it yeah that is the plan if I was going to superimpose anyone's head onto anyone's body it would be my head onto the body of his girlfriend so it looks like he's my boyfriend <laughs> I'd go all out onto Daphne's head when she's having sex with the Jew more like That's inappropriate and also it's harder to do that when the angle of the face isn't like straight ahead because I'd need a photo of me in the exact same position that she's in no to get the angles right mm, possibly overthinking it I think we've covered most things haven't we yes yes we have um so that's that's it from us but um yeah subscribe we'll be doing the whole series so um tune in for episode three thanks for listening